Happy Wednesday. Yep, Giving Tuesday is over. But it's not too late to support the causes you care about, including Seattle Now. If you listen to our show, you know the value of independent journalism. Seattle Now and our home station, KUOW, are made possible by listeners like you. And like our newest donors, Emanuela, Anna, Drew, Mindy, Sarah, and Melanie. Thanks so much for your support. You can donate, too, right now. There's a link in the show notes, and thanks. Good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. This is Seattle Now. As the weather gets colder and wetter, finding shelter for unhoused people around Puget Sound is getting more urgent. But things are about to change for a camp of unhoused people in Burien. The city struck an 11th hour deal to open 70 spaces there in collaboration with King County. The decision was controversial, and it certainly won't end high tensions in the city over how to respond to homelessness. Publicola editor Erica Barnett is here to tell us what happens next and what other cities can take away from Burian's story. But first, let's get you caught up. If you didn't vote in this month's general election, you are definitely not alone. Seattle Times found participation in this election was the lowest on record in Washington state history. Less than 37% of eligible voters turned in a ballot. King County's turnout dropped by more than 40% from turnout in the 2022 midterms. State law requires that city and local elections get held in odd number years, leaving federal and state races for even-numbered ones. But some state lawmakers are asking for a change after this year. Food insecurity is a growing problem for families, and now food banks in western Washington say they're scrambling to meet the need. Post-COVID, Food Lifeline says visits have increased by more than 63% this year to more than 1.6 million. Food Lifeline says the dramatic increase can be attributed to inflation, wage stagnation, and the end of COVID-era supplemental benefits. And it's almost time to hit the slopes for some Washington ski resorts. While others are still waiting for more snowfall to start their seasons, Crystal Mountain opens for general admission Saturday and when Natchez Mission Ridge Resort opened over the holiday weekend. But ski areas at Hurricane Ridge, Mount Baker, Snoqualmie, and Stevens Pass still don't have enough snow on the ground to start the winter fun. King 5 says El Nino winter conditions are behind the lagging snowfall, but the mountains might be in for some more snow this weekend. Burien's City Council voted to accept a million dollars from King County for homeless shelters Monday night. For more than a year, a few dozen people have been living outside around a couple of city blocks in Burien's city center. In September, the council passed a ban on camping anywhere in Burien. That goes into effect December 1st. On Monday, during a heated council meeting, a resident of the encampment addressed the city council. I um, just want to urge you to please accept the money because we are not these horrible people that everyone is making us out to be. We're just people that are going through a hard time and, you know, didn't have family or didn't have resources to help us stay in where we were. Many other residents spoke up at the meeting, both supporting and opposing the proposal to build about 35 pallet shelters. Homeowner Stephanie Rogers shared concerns about the plan. 
I have to tell you that I really would wish you not to accept this money to build tiny homes, which are not exactly homes. There should be no question about putting it next to a school. No way. And neither in a neighborhood. There's trash all up and down. There's fires. Our trees are miss missing. Broken down vehicles. It's not safe. There's no services. There's no infrastructure for these tiny homes. Both the city council and Burien more broadly are divided over the issue and have been debating where to put the shelter since the county offered the money in June. The council decided to set up structures that can house up to 70 people on a Seattle City light property at South 136th Street and 4th Avenue South. Publicola editor Erica Barnett is here to talk about what happens now that the city has accepted the money. Erica, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, great to be here. So for people just catching up, it's just hours before the offer expired that the city council voted to accept this funding. A lot of these arguments haven't changed throughout this entire dialogue, Erica. What changed that it actually got to the finish line this time? Were they just working a deadline? I mean, you know, I think that the high drama that was created by this last minute meeting was utterly unnecessary. I think they could have taken this vote at any time. I mean, if you have watched these meetings, the arguments, as you said, have not changed. Proponents say that there is this encampment uh, camping ban that's going into effect on December 1st. We got to do something. And these folks are from Burien. They are not going away. And the opponents, you know, say, no, these folks aren't from Burien. Seattle is sending them down there. And if, you know, they instituted a camping ban and don't build shelter, then people will just simply go away. Those arguments have been made since, you know, since March of this past year. So, you know, credit goes to Councilmember Sydney Moore, who is uh, was defeated in her reelection bid in November, but, um, you know, sort of insisted on this meeting after they deadlocked last week and managed to uh, convince her fellow council members to hold it. And that was a very contentious meeting, too. There was a lot of yelling and kind of, you know, bad feelings on the council. So I think that if this meeting hadn't happened, this idea would have been dead. So pallet shelters and tiny house shelters are things that have been utilized in other cities, including here in Seattle. Let's talk a little bit about what they look like, what they would look like. Sure. And, um, and you know, I should say, I mean, when we're talking about sort of what happens next, one of the things is uh, going to be what sort of shelter this actually is. Pallet shelters are, um, that is actually a brand name, and they are small sort of utilitarian uh, shed-like structures. Tiny houses are similar. They're a little bit um, more sort of homey looking from the outside, and they are associated with uh, the Low Income House Housing Institute here in Seattle and other cities. And, you know, they don't take up a lot of space. It's a little bit better than a tent that has, you know, heating and um, and sort of privacy and a door that locks. Yeah, yeah. At the center of a lot of this, Erica, was where to actually site these tiny homes. Eventually, they settled on Seattle City Light property. What were they thinking about and what were the concerns about where these shelters would end up? Well, they considered a whole lot of different options, but I'll just narrow on the three that they were considering most recently. One was the site in downtown Bury, and that was back up on the table, and that would have involved sort of a land swap where King County would give their own property over to uh, a Toyota dealer who's currently renting that site in Burien and let him store his cars there. Um, that was uh, sort of rejected out of hand initially and then again rejected last week. 
Um, and uh, then there was uh, a site in Boulevard Park, which is a, a low-income neighborhood, kind of uh, far away. Um, people argued from services and from things like grocery stores. You know, not a great site, a lot of pollution um, directly in a flight path. So there were a lot of arguments against that site in Boulevard Park. Um, and so ultimately, the City Light site was, I think, deemed the compromise site by both sides. And uh, and that's that's essentially why it was chosen. I mean, there was still quite a bit of dissension about it. As I said, it was a 4-3 vote. But uh, the swing vote was Councilmember Jimmy Mata, who um, abstained last week. Um, and kind of put the the whole thing into a deadlock. So, um, so yeah, it was seen as the compromise. All right. Well, now that they have this million dollars to get underway, what are the next steps, Erica? Yeah, there's some process that has to happen. Um, there is not, they have to choose a provider. And so this money is going to go through the King County Regional Homelessness Authority, um, which will put out an RFP, you know, there's, which is a request for proposals for bids. Uh, I think that's going to proceed pretty quickly and uh, not sure yet who's going to bid. Lehigh may, um, Pallet Shelter could, you know, there's, there's various providers that, um, that, uh, that actually provide these services and provide these, um, these structures. So that'll happen. And um, then I think there's going to be some public process about where, you know, informing people in the area. There's um, a Catholic school nearby um, that uh, has expressed some concern about the, uh, the location. So that'll all happen. But I think it's going to happen pretty quickly because, uh, again, we have this, um, this camping ban looming um, on December 1st. And so, um, you know, stay tuned. I've as we're talking on Tuesday, uh, I have a bunch of calls out to find out some of these really specific details about the timing, but uh, but I think it's going to happen pretty quickly. Okay, so once there is an entity that has stepped in to run this, is there a possibility, Erica, that when the funding runs out in about a year, which is about as much as we have, there would be more, there could be continued support behind it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the King County Regional Homelessness Authority receives funding from the city of Seattle and from King County. And uh, there actually was an attempt on Monday night to say that once the money runs out, the tiny house village should have to shut down. That did not pass. So what's likely to happen is if it is um, successful and if, uh, you know, the sort of worst case scenarios don't come to pass, uh, there will be more money because that is what happens, you know, with a lot of things that are originally funded with one-time funding, um, including homeless services. It's not unusual for there to be one-time funding for something and for it to continue to get funded. Yeah. Yeah. So, Erica, let's talk about the new incoming council members. How did they feel about this issue? How are they on the record? The new council members are very much on the side of uh, the minority on the council now who has consistently voted against uh, funding and uh, and accepting this tiny house village. Um, so, you know, I think in the future, if there are um, similar situations that arise, you know, you're going to see a five member council majority that is opposed to things like homeless encampments, like tiny house villages, like whatever comes along next in the city of Burien, because homelessness is obviously not going away. You know, in addition to being kind of an 11th hour vote um, on Monday night, it was also an 11th hour vote for the current council because um, our several council members are leaving. Yeah, and a new and um, even more conservative council is stepping in to take their place. You know, Erica, as you mentioned, lots of cities are dealing with homelessness. I wonder what we can take away from what's going on in Burien. 
One thing that council members on both sides of the, of the divide over this uh, tiny house village pallet shelter were observing that I think is absolutely true is that this is a regional problem. And in one sense, the, this particular issue is a Burian problem because we're talking about people who have been in Burian for a very long time. But I think that also illustrates that there is no um, there is no solution to homelessness that focuses just on Seattle. Um, there's no solution to homelessness that focuses just on Burien. I mean, we're seeing the the regional homelessness authority stepping in and helping you know make this uh, process as smooth as possible, and you know and help folks in Burien. So I I think that you know ultimately the lesson is one that we've been learning for a long time, which is that uh, the entire region and indeed you know state funding and federal funding ultimately are going to be needed to solve this problem. We all exist in the same region with the exact same problem, you know, including a tiny city like Burien. Well, there's one thing for sure, getting people into safe, warmer shelter during this time of the year is critical as we have experienced the first hypothermia deaths in King County already this year. Erica Barnett, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for reporting on this. Thank you. Erica Barnett is editor with Publicola. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Jenny Cecil Moore. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Vaughn Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.